Welcome to another Directions Mag podcast, co-hosted with our friends at Eurissa. I'm Barbara Duke, Editor-in-Chief here at Directions Mag and your host for today's podcast. The Eurissa Directions Mag podcast series this year is exploring the theme of new and now. How did geospatial technology start, where it is now, and where are some current focus areas or points of interest? Today, we have Judy Colby-George, GISP, and Kevin Voltz, GISP. They've joined us to talk about the new and now of GIS in landscape architecture and geodesign. Judy and Kevin, it is a pleasure to chat with you today. Welcome. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Been looking forward to this. Excited to be here. Wonderful. So, Judy, how did you get started in GIS and landscape architecture? Well, I um, have owned a GIS consulting firm for about 20 years. And then three years ago, I purchased a landscape architecture firm. Um, and uh, so now we are working together. And a few years before I purchased that firm, I had started do it, helping them with GIS things, either mapping mm -hmm. or the firm that I purchased uh, does a lot of visual impact assessments. So that meant helping with some view sheds and things like that. Um, and so uh, that really got me interested in, I was already interested in geodesign, but adding in the landscape architecture side of things really kicked that up for me. So it's been a great uh, learning experience. Very cool. Hey, Kevin, well, first, welcome back. For those that aren't regulars with us, Kevin was part of a panel discussing transitions in career a few years ago. Um, we'll share that link for everybody if you're interested. So, Kevin, same question for you. How did you get started in this landscape focus area? Well, it's an honor to be invited back. Thank you so much. Um, so, so I got involved with landscape architecture um, be before I knew what GIS was. About 25 years ago, my my father opened a design studio, um, and I kind of I kind of grew up, you know, in the office or being exposed to it pretty regularly. Um, helped helped my two older brothers set up the first servers and and you know ran network cables um, to set up the first office. Um, when I was in high school and, and throughout college, I, I helped support um, answering phones. Um, once I got into college for during the winters and the summer breaks, I'd um, go back to Orange County. I'm in San Diego now. Head back to Orange County and um, help the design team. John, using CAD to, to draw irrigation um, lines and um, just, just generally helping out wherever I could. Um, about 15 years ago, or, or for the last 15 years, I've been applying my trade as a as GIS professional in various roles. Um, started as an analyst, then got into development, got the opportunity to become a manager. And um, once I got into a leadership and management role for the last couple of years, you know, the, the conversations with my dad have changed a little bit since I was asking more about his managerial challenges. And and, and you know, we just talked about techniques and that kind of thing. And um, a couple of years ago, we sat down and, and he knew I was kind of looking for next steps and um I was considering starting my own business and, and he said invited me to give it a shot in-house um, and so there's a lot of synergy with landscape architecture and GIS and I've been focusing mm -hmm. on, on GIS and, and design um, ever since. Very cool and, and keeping it in the family sounds like for a long time that's cool. <clears throat> 
So Judy, uh, could you please share with us how you're using GIS currently in your landscape architecture projects? Sure. Uh, we uh, have a fairly broad range of uh, landscape architecture work that we do from uh, backyards all the way to these large visual impact assessments of offshore wind, um, large uh, electric power uh, projects and solar projects. And so mm -hmm. um, in any one day, I could be doing many things <laughs> that would include yeah. making base maps uh, for simple projects to doing lar uh, planning projects with communities in the area, looking at you know, open space plans and pulling in all the GIS data uh, to help the landscape architects think about the parks and how things are arranged within a town and who has access. Um, and then leading up to the visual impact assessments where um, the GIS side of that work is really the view sheds and bringing in very large amounts of LIDAR data and processing it and then running view shed analysis to see where it's likely that you could possibly see a project. And we use that to then figure out where to go take photographs. And then we use those surfaces to create photo simulations of what mm -hmm. that project would look like in the future um, uh, so that we can do the analysis. And uh, so, I mean, it's a lovely range of things that never gets boring. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that's such the nature of the GIS community is cross-pollinating and many yeah. unique projects. Um, sounds like this area lends itself to that as well. Kevin, we'd love to hear about your projects now. Um, so certainly. The yeah, so there, there's many ways we're effectively using GIS um, in our projects, in current projects. Um, before I get into some practical examples, kind of want to share how, how we think about leveraging and implementing technology in GIS. So the yeah. kind of the, the three main things we're focused on are, are leveraging technology in GIS to, to save money, save time, um, to do more with less, and ultimately to provide better services in our industry, primarily design services and that, that sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. At the core, all of our solutions are centered around um, improving communication, becoming more efficient, uh, creating better workflows, you know, going from a, trying to go from reactive um, response to kind of proactive planning, um, and ultimately to, to support better decision making. Um, since, since coming back to my, da my dad's firm, Design Studio, um, one of the first projects I was involved with was a, a wayfinding signage project. So for a small city in, in the middle of LA, kind of surrounded by a bunch of other cities, they wanted to have a, uh, an impact and, and really let people know, hey, welcome to, in this case, it was the city of Gardena. So they really wanted to have some separation as you come into Gardena, you know, welcome to the city and, and make sure that um, folks who are visiting some of their important resources could, could get there. So that was a, you know, pretty straightforward implementation of GIS. We spun up web apps and, and field, field maps um, to kind of inventory existing signs, and then also used um, geospatial analysis to identify the best areas for these signs to recommend where to place them, how many, make sure we're um, preserving the, the required setbacks as, as 
uh, a resident is approaching an intersection, you know, make sure we're the right distance away. Um, so that, that's one application. We, we also use GIS quite a bit in-house, kind of internally serving. Um, so that's to spin up base maps, kind of get some site orientation. We look at, you know, with, with GIS, we can pretty quickly pull things like imagery, utility information, in some cases, LIDAR, look at elevations. For larger parks, we, we typically get topos. We can pull that right into, into GIS, really to, to help our design teams orient themselves with the site. Um, and, and we feel pretty strongly that it, it helps improve design from kind of concept all the way through construction documents and then all the way also mm -hmm. into uh, construction and supporting it along the way. Um, I've been working on a comprehensive database for all our projects. Um, you know, my, my dad's not going to work forever. We've worked on over a thousand yeah. projects in and around Southern California mm -hmm. and throughout California. Wow. Um, and so, so in many ways, we're trying to get all that information into the fingertips of, of all our staff, especially as they work with clients. So, you know, even if our staff yeah. hasn't worked in a particular city before, it's likely we've done projects that are relevant or similar that are nearby or, or a, a similar, um, like a similar scope. Um, mm -hmm. And then, yeah, on, on the client side of things, we, we've had a lot of success with what I've been calling virtual public outreach. I'm kind of just taking, we've always done a lot of community outreach when we're considering doing design, making design considerations to try and come up with the best plan that, you know, gets consensus. So putting that, creating a virtual environment for that has kind of ha exploded as far as being able to engage more customers. And it's not anymore, you know, going into a room and having, you know, one or two rowdy loud neighbors kind of dominating the conversation. Now we're able to get a lot more feedback um, um, and gather um, a lot more intel on, on kind of that, that helps really helps inform the designs. Um, and then some of, some of the stuff we've been exploring this year, um, we got a, high accuracy GPS devices and some and a, a small drone fleet. And we've been we've been working on sort of more interesting 3D visualizations to to really orient the designers and also communicate ideas and uh, so that both our, our clients, the cities and, and our designers can really easily see the data about their site and, and make better decisions to ultimately come up with them better designs. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I'll just so in, jump in a little and, and yeah, um, we've been using a lot. So a lot of what we do is visualizations and public participation also. And uh, the designing of story maps, everybody is just, you know, super excited when you put their data into a story map. And for sure, those yeah. have been you know, we have found that the amount of participation that we get when we create one um, is, you know, like Kevin said, it's just amazing how much more information we can gather. But the much broader group of people that it includes then from a community, you know, it's not just the people who can manage to come out to the public meeting, but it includes the people who have very busy lives and can't make it to the meeting. And um, right. You know the number of the number of people you're able to interact with just is astronomically better uh, when you use those tools. 
Well, it, yeah. it comes down to transparency, you know, amongst the community and the people working on the projects, the people making the decisions. Um, so important, I think, in today's world where we're trying to make sure we're getting authentic information. Yeah, precisely, Barbara. That's that's in, in, in our, I think in our industry, sometimes the you know, a lot of times city officials are dealing with the public and and and. You know, there's there's a lot of sensitivity there, and and you know, that's a risky environment, um, kind of compared to the day to day. And so I think in many mm-hmm. ways that's been a, a surprise for me, just how how sticky that has been, and like Judy said, just how broad of information sharing you can do with with you know, hey, scan a QR code and come see a, a project website that has all the details about the next meetings, and if you can't meet the come to the meetings. You know, here's the latest and greatest on it. Here's wh- where the concept plans are, or here's where some designs are, or ideas, or you know, fill out a survey, fill out a survey, and, and lead some feedback. And so, in many ways, it, you know, we're able to capture all that data and consider it, and then mull over that to to come up with the best solution for the entire community. Um, and also with the survey stuff, we've been able to um, deploy that in, in multiple languages, which is important in um, in the region we're in. And it's been yeah, yeah. it's been it's been a big win for, for us and, and we feel like it's a pretty good differentiator. Yeah, that that uh, story map platform, I, I've watched that grow over the years. It's amazing what it has become and a great tool for sure. So um, here at Directions, we're always thinking and listening for what's next in geospatial tech. Uh, so, Judy, I'm curious uh, about what you are hoping to implement in your future work. Maybe new tools that you haven't quite plugged in yet and you're excited about? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know how much time you have because I could talk about this all day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got time. Yeah, go ahead. We uh, So... You know, there's a lot of different aspects in which we're hoping to implement. Um, you know, at a very basic level, uh, really thinking about, you know, where, where are the, what are the best things to do in the GIS geospatial world, and then where's, where do we pass it off to the landscape architects to do their magic, right? Like, um, right. really thinking through that process is one thing that we're working on. Um, we are uh, very much interested. So we've started to dabble in City Engine and mm-hmm. um, using it to start the geo design process in a more uh, technical way, but really being able to provide clients that um, ability to um, play with design before it's formalized. Um, and that's been really great, and we hope to just get better and better at that aspect, and then be able to, you know, in the best of all worlds, put that into some, you know, game engine VR world. Um, we're not quite there yet. I know there's people that are, but we aren't. <laughs> um, and so that's one of the areas we're working in, um, and being able to enhance our visualizations because almost everything that we do has to do with helping people to see or understand what different choices will mean in the future and you know what can we do to um, you know maximize 
uh, everybody's pleasure in a in a visual environment, right? Like, how do we make sure that development happens in the best way for a variety of parameters? How do we make sure that when we're creating these new alternative energy projects, that you know where that they are, you know, that we can attenuate as much as possible their impacts, but also be able to get them built. Um, you know, so that's so, and then really thinking through how to use those 3D visualization tools and um, and getting better and better at making sure that our visualizations are both extremely accurate, but also communicating uh, the story that needs to be told um, and always thinking about it from that perspective. So uh, there's a million things that we need, you know, that we are thinking about working on. Um, and and deciding you know which one is the most the highest priority for us is always the hard part like we're all right. excited about different aspects and figuring out like okay well right now we're going to work on this one <laughs> mm -hmm. and then you know the next and then later on we'll work on that part and what order do we do them in so um we have lots of ideas and uh you know i just think it's almost endless the number of things that we could try <laughs> so we have to it's more a matter of narrowing down uh, all the options that are available, you know, getting better at story maps, at dashboards, you know, communicating the information we gather, uh, getting better at how we get data in, you know, where do we get data from when we go out in the field, uh, doing good field data collection that we can then use easier. Uh, so. We, there's lots of ways, I think, uh, there's so many things to learn and, and add to what we do. Um, but always trying to think of it as, you know, how do we tell the, the story that needs to be told? How do we make sure we're accurate? And then how do we make sure that we're using the right tool at the right time? Mm -hmm. So those are the things we've been thinking about. Very cool. Kevin, what's on the horizon for you? Um, well, yes, similar to what Judy said, there, there, there are just a ton of ideas um, that, and we have a long road. We have a long roadmap, and a lot of things we want to implement. Um, we, we've since since rejoining the the firm, you know, we in many ways we've we've come a long way and revolutionized our current use of of technology in GIS. Um, we've as a team mold over, you know, what would be most impactful quickly, you know, what's the low hanging fruit, um, but also, you know, where do we want to go with it? And, and, um, and, and yeah, so we have been focused on a, a few key, key areas. Uh, most of them are, are centered on using technology, often GIS just for, as Judy said, better ways of connecting and communicating data and really telling stories um, as it relates to, to parks and, and our, and the communities um that that really is that's the main thing we whenever i interface with any anyone from the design team it's always starting with the end in mind you know okay we're going to make a survey what you know we're going to have a breakdown of of said survey what are those key elements we would like that we think we're going to need to share and then how can we work backwards from there to, to kind of curate the gis and technology to best convey um those mm -hmm. things um, so we're working on, we're, we're working on quite a bit, but some of the things we're really focused on are, um, as Judy says, well, really trying to make it 
things as seamless and easy for the design team to get the benefits of GIS. So for what my for my team that looks like um, we still got a little bit of ways to go for the goal is comprehensive and seamless GIS to CAD integration. Um, and, and that covers design templates all the way to coloring and using a, a whole suite of applications and processes to get there. Um, lately, we've been I've been really impressed with um, what's called structure from motion. So that leveraging GNSS devices, drones, desktop applications, kind of it's kind of like Google Earth, but um, much more high quality since we're dealing with you know large scale local local areas. You know, a park is not the entire community. It's it's kind of just focused on um, where it's situated and maybe a couple of the surrounding buildings. Um, and so that's been a, a really fun area that, like Judy said, that that creates the, a very impactful visual that we can then put in the hands of our clients, our design team, and also the communities to um, for, for better visualization and better communicating the story, what we're really trying to tell. Um, I don't I don't want to give away everything we're working on, um, but but in many ways <laughs> it's, okay. it's <laughs> in many ways it's all about connecting and communicating digitally with clients and the communities um, with what with, with what we're focused on, which is parks, open space, design, um, really working on on cool projects um, and also yeah. solving problems with with technology and GIS. Excellent. So I had a both a couple of follow up questions. Um, both of you mentioned making things easier for your design teams or, you know, parts of the team. Would you guys mind sharing maybe some like the, the, the largest pain points um, that we're we're experiencing with your teams that you're that sort of led to, you know, finding better solutions? Yeah, I'd be happy to take a, take a stab at it first. Um, so in talking to all the, the clients and our own team, um, you know, a lot of folks in public works and the designers really can see the future. They, they in their words, oh, GIS, that's cool. GIS is the future. Um, but I don't think they have as, as clear of a, as much information as as someone who practices GIS regularly, like what that implementation means and and what the the final benefit is and how to get there, um, and so it's pretty gotcha. rough to start at the very beginning of okay, let's talk about GIS from you know talking about points, lines, and polygons. A lot of times designers understand that, but now we're working, we're pulling in databases and the ability to look at data, um, to, mm -hmm. to analyze data and use that, um, and so. We try. I try and focus on what's the end goal and, and how can we get them there as quickly as possible. So try and make it really easy for them to launch a, a project file and have access to um, aerial imagery, which is better than what we can see on Google, or have access to streets. You know, they don't need to go and pull the latest streets from a REST service out there that they found. It's kind of, if we can streamline that and make it really easy as the GIS department supporting the designers, um, that's mm -hmm. saved a lot of time and they just kind of get the benefits of the end result quickly. And then they always come come back with, oh, well, let's, you know, let's make it prettier and that kind of thing, which I think mo most of us involved in, in GIS, you know, do have a passion for cartography, but 
we're, we maybe didn't, we don't, we might not have a master's in, in graphic design, whereas a lot of these designers are, are super focused on this design. So now I, I view it as let's support them with, with GIS and then ask them for the, the colors or the lines or points that they would like to, to really make it so they can effectively leverage the benefits of GIS and, and, and use it to, to come up with better designs or tell better stories. Yeah, good to know. I, I wouldn't have guessed that pain point, but that's interesting. Judy, anything over yeah, on your side? I would totally agree, you know, like that for wow, creating okay. the base map for somebody, <laughs> you know, like when they were, you know, tracing it in Illustrator from a map that they found somewhere. And, you know, when you can say, oh, I can just get that data for you and, and give you a CAD drawing, <laughs> you know, that's a uh -huh. huge, that, that makes a huge difference in how long it takes to get that initial base map set up. Um, yeah. You know, so that's definitely, you know, one point. And yeah, I 100% agree with Kevin, like the two-way street of, you know, I can spend, I pride myself on making good maps, you know, so that part I've always done, but I definitely have found that if I ask one of the designers to help with the colors, it's way faster than me going through a million different colors and just being like, oh, how does that look? How does that look? How does that look? Um, yeah. And so that's definitely been a nice uh, back and forth uh, in both directions. Um, so for sure, I would agree with that same sentiment. So interesting. It, it reminds me of a time years ago, somebody said, Hey, I need a, need some, need a map with states. And I thought, okay, sure. I can make you a map with some states. And they, could you make them different colors? <laughs> Thinking, you know, it does more than just make colors. I'm just saying. Right. Uh, but <laughs> I was going to say that would be my second, that would be the other thing I would say is like helping people understand that the data is data, not just a picture, right? That, mm -hmm. that there's something behind it that could be very useful in analyzing things and really kind of working through that process of thinking about, you know, using the, the data the way that, that GIS people think about using it not just to make maps or base maps or something, but to actually use the data to answer questions. And once we mm -hmm. create the data, um, you know, instead of people counting things on a map or, you know, like thinking about it that way, you know, understanding that there are tools that we can use to kind of speed those processes along. Um, so that's another area where I think, you know, we spend some time really thinking about, well, what are the right tools at the right time? Yeah, I, I, I think we get a little entrenched and forget that uh, not everyone understands mm -hmm. all the things that we do uh, about the geospatial community, uh, data, all the things involved. Uh, they're, they're just thinking about, hey, I, I need a cool looking map. So, so interesting that that is, you know, still a, still a question looming out there after all these years, but uh, there's always somebody new, right? There's always somebody <laughs> coming new to uh, this technology from different areas. So one other question, and uh, before we uh, call it a day, I, both of you were discussing 
describing uh, ways that you're, um, you know, have future plans and uh, having to pick and choose. I'd, I'd love to know, and Judy, we can maybe just start with you, you know, how do you have a particular process that you're deciding on, you know, what's most important for you to start with um, and, you know, where to implement first? Well, I think it's a combination of, um, well, probably the things I'm most interested in, <laughs> to be completely <laughs> honest, but also, yeah. you know, what projects we have, right? So what's right. coming up in which this would be a use, this would be useful. I mean, I might have 10 things that are useful, but if I know that there's a project coming and it would be really good if we figured this out before we got to that project, then that's probably, you know, other than <laughs> the things I like most and not just myself, like all the staff, right? Like we all talk together and think about and who has time like sometimes somebody you know has a little more time on their hands and so we usually have like a list of technologies and who's going to learn which one and so then as people have time they're able to advance in those directions cool kevin did you have any um yeah so yeah kind of as julie alluded to it's kind of an ever evolving um thing right. kind of based on the the current situation so um where, where our design studio is at now we're, we're in a, a pretty good period of growth so so we're trying to get get projects out there so while gis in some ways is a new venture um you know it's it's most important we, we secure the core and, and keep projects moving along um, so we're always kind of balancing and looking at kind of what's most important. Like Judy said, looking looking far ahead and also in the, in, in the short term ahead. You know, what, what are things? Is now the time to get a quick win by really focusing on on this? Um, and since I've joined the company, I have had quite a bit of freedom to um, you know spin up my own GIS department. And and now that it's become pretty integral to what we're doing, um, when some of the Maybe we have some designers who aren't as busy at certain times. So we've been focusing on not not only education for the, the whole company about GIS, but also ha having some folks that are fresh out of school that typically have had some exposure to GIS. Um, there, there's a great program at Pomona, um, Cal Poly Pomona, where, where a number of our staff came out that, that they really push looking at orientation and, and site design and, and leveraging GIS for some things. So we've been, yeah, we've been, I've focused a lot on education and, and, and scalability. And um, yeah, I, I think I got a little, a little sidetracked there. Oh yeah, no worries. Uh, any other things that you guys would like to share about the work that you have going on? Well, I would love to say that, um, you know, being, uh, meeting Kevin at GIS Pro last year was super fun uh -huh. <laughs> because um, we just happened to bump into each other and we're like, oh, I do GIS in a landscape architecture firm. And I'm like, oh, me too, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, one of the joys of being able to participate in those kind of organizations just really uh, you know, and now we get to chat with each other on a regular basis and, and talk and, you know, I'm in Maine and he's in California, so we couldn't be further apart. We would never bump into each other randomly. 
Sure. Um, so it's been a great chance to, um, you know, to talk about stuff together and, um, you know, learn things from each other. And uh, I really look forward to that. Yeah, I would I would second that, and you know, similar to Judy. I mean, it's yes. I don't know anyone else doing kind of what we're doing, um, and in many ways, being involved in the organizations and going to the events and the conferences is, is is always nice to see what everyone else is doing in GIS, and then you know, seeing if that can fit in this industry, in landscape architecture and design. You know, um, I yeah, I didn't, I wouldn't have expected web GIS. You know, essentially, to to be so, such a <laughs> such a big win, and and kind of an and then nowadays an easier implementation than ever, um, in in GIS, and and so yeah, I've kind of and and also in educating our staff and also the clients we work with and that kind of thing, I've moved away from saying GIS as much, and now I I typically frame it as as technology and maps, and it's like oh yeah, we we do GIS, but you know we really are focusing on implementing technology for better solutions. Um, and we, we leverage GIS and, you know, we do maps and all that kind of things. But um, that, that's been, I think, in many ways, been easier for um, clients to, to get on board with some of the, the new services and capabilities we're, we're offering nowadays. Yeah, I, it's one of my favorite things about the geospatial community at large is the collaborative nature that has always been rooted um, in the beginnings. It's so, so important. I know it's made a difference in the work that I've done over the years, and um, I'm happy to see that it really is still part of the fabric that makes us who we are. Well, yes, thank you both for being be part of. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> go ahead. I was just saying it's a great, it's a great uh, collaborative uh, profession to be a part of. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Um, I just remind everybody listening to stop by directionsmag.com for the latest geospatial news, exclusive articles, live and on-demand webinars, and of course, more podcasts. Also encourage our friends to visit Eurisa.org for support in all stages of your geospatial career. They've got, you guys mentioned GIS Pro, but um, I know that they have ongoing educational as well as um, opportunities to network and like the two of you, meet people doing the same <laughs> types of work and um, be, have an opportunity to work together and grow. So uh, thank you both. It's just a great pleasure. We hope everyone goes and makes it a great day. Tell a friend about URSA and Directions Magazine.